Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Welcome this morning. Hey, great to have everybody here. What a great day so far. Weren't the kids incredible? Uh, always do a great job. Love the kids. And uh, it's good to have you here today. We're in a series called Christmas Cards. And the whole premise is we're not presenting the sanitized version of the cards that you get in the mail. How many ever got a bunch of cards in the mail already? You got a ton of cards. How many, how many got your cards out? You sent some out? Okay, so you're on top of it. Uh, but, you know, the, the Christmas cards are always cleaned up. They always look nice. They always smell great. They're always wonderful. And yet, when you go back and look at the Christmas story, there's some, there's some challenging things about the whole story of Christmas. And we clean it up and make it look all pretty, but there's some realities that we're going to talk about and deal with. And uh, we're going to be looking at the shepherds today. So take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 2. These are Christmas cards that the shepherds might send, and they are inspired by real events. Now, uh, on the way out, you have cards hanging out front. And if you want to grab one and send that to somebody, invite them to come. If you didn't get a chance to send any Christmas cards, take a bunch, mail them all out, and then you're done. So we got your cards for you already. But uh, use them to invite somebody to come to church next Sunday. We've got three services, uh, two on Saturday night, 4.30 and 6, and then again Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And then also, thank you so much for bringing the gift cards back and buying those for needy families, needy people this time of the year. There's a box on either side, so you can drop them right in the box. Some of you may have put them in the offering today. That's fine. Uh, But it all goes to help people in need at this time of the year. And if you didn't get a chance to do that, you can still bring them in sometime this week, drop them off at the office or even in the box next Sunday, and they will be used to help people in need down the road. Uh, I, here's one Christmas card that was the, what was said inside the card. I want to read it to you. It says, Christmas is just plain weird. What other time of the year do you sit around staring at a dead tree in your living room and eating candy out of your socks? <laughs> now, that's pretty weird, right? And, uh, and so there's a lot of things about that that are weird. Uh, there's a lot of things about Christmas that are weird. First of all, you've got a virgin teenager who uh, is becoming pregnant. How many know that's weird? That doesn't happen. That never happens. And now you have a virgin who is with child. And so that whole scenario is totally odd and different. You have a baby who's going to be a king. And you have a, a, a baby who's going to save the world from their sins. And it's not like they were expecting. Maybe they expected the Messiah to come with some kind of pomp and ceremony. But you have a little innocent child born in a manger. And then you have a God who wants to become man. Now that's strange. That's different. That's odd. A God... God Almighty, who will become man and become one of us. And so there's a lot of things about Christmas that, that uh, may seem odd. The supernatural is always seems a little bit odd. It's, it's, it's miraculous. It's supernatural. It's beyond our understanding. We don't, we don't totally get it, and we can't figure out how God did it, but that's why it's supernatural. That's why we call it a miracle to begin with. I found a quotation that says, if miracles happened all the time, we would call them ordinaries, right? If miracles happened all the time, we would call them ordinaries. uh, Something very out of the ordinary takes place on a night. The shepherds are out on a hillside. 
They're watching their flock. They're doing their thing they did every single night. They're enjoying a a calm evening outside of the city of Bethlehem, and the skies light up. So let's take a look at this story, this very unusual story, this miraculous story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Stand together, turn your Bible to Luke, chapter 2, and we will begin with verse number 8 today. Luke, chapter 2, and verse number 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, and to whom his favor rests. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that you have come to this earth for us. We thank you, Lord, for this grand appearing, Lord Jesus, that we might know you, that we might have joy today in our own hearts and lives, that we might find the Savior for ourselves. And I pray, God, as we minister the word of God, you'll open up our hearts and our minds to understand what you have for us today. We love you so much. Thank you for your goodness, and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. These are shepherds. They're on the hillside. And it's to these shepherds God chooses to make his most unlikely announcement, his very first announcement, he picks very unlikely candidates, a group of shepherds. And he comes to them and he brings the announcement of Jesus Christ's birth. And as you look at shepherds in that culture in that day and age, those are probably the people you would least expect God to make his announcement to. I mean, if you're going to send them aside to the earth, you might tell it to kings. You might find some prophets somewhere or religious people or priests or scribes. or These are the kind of people that you might think, if I'm God and I'm going to tell people that a king is being born, that the Messiah has come, that a Savior is being born, I might find another king, another priest, another prophet, somebody else along those lines. But probably the last person you would have selected to bring the good news to was a shepherd. Shepherds were not considered great people in this culture in this time and day and age. Shepherding had changed from the family business of David's time when they were kind of looked up to, and we know David was a shepherd king, to a very despised occupation. They were not liked by most people. Many shepherds were accused of robbery and using land they had no rights to as they grazed their sheep all over the place trying to find those green pastures that they might eat. Shepherding was a lonely occupation, particularly at night. They would stay out there all night long as they would be out in the fields, out in the hillsides with their sheep all night long, and they would stand watch. And so it says they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And what they did is they they watched to make sure that, that none of the sheep woke up and wandered off anywhere, but more importantly, they watched for predators who might come in to those unsuspecting flocks in the middle of the night and drag those sheep off and destroy them and destroy their flock. And so they're keeping watch by night. They're looking very attentively over their sheep. It was the lowest position on the economic and cultural ladder. 
Work made them unclean by the standards of the law, and so they could not observe the meticulous hand-washing requirements that all the Jews had. If if you're going to go into the temple and you're going to worship God, and because they're with their flocks morning, noon, and night, it kept them from going to the temple area, and so they are not the religious higher-ups. They were not looked up to. They were not thought well of. The constant demand of the flock kept them from the temple worship. So the good news of Christ's birth came first to the social outcast of that time period. Isn't that the way always God does it? He just comes to those who are the least likely, to guys like you and I who don't deserve this message and this good news, and yet God appears to us, and he comes to people who don't deserve it, the lowest of the earth. He continues that same theme we first saw in Mary. Mary was a very unlikely candidate to be the mother of Jesus Christ, and so God would appear to her through the angel Gabriel. God uses the earth's lowest to do God's highest. He chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the the base things of this world to show his might and his glory and his power. That's kind of the way God always does it. Picks some very, very unlikely shepherds. But for all people, whoever believes, no matter how high or low they are on the spectrum, no matter how smart or foolish they may seem or they may be, no matter how much money they have or don't have, this good news is for all people. He loves everybody, and he comes to everybody, and he's no respecter of person. And it doesn't matter where you may be on the social scale today. It doesn't matter in the eyes of God. God loves you, and he cares about you, and he's got a great message for you today. Come to the lowest of the low. I think there's another reason, though, I, they may have made this announcement to the shepherds. Very interesting. They had temple sacrifices that were done every single day. They would bring a lamb or a sheep in in the morning, and they would offer in the morning and in the evening, a lamb would be slaughtered or killed as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Of course, on the Day of Atonement, they would bring thousands of lambs in, and then on the Passover time, thousands of lambs would be brought in. And it always had to be an unblemished lamb. You could find no fault or no promised lamb before the lamb could be sacrificed. And so what had happened throughout history is the temple authorities would provide private flocks to provide their sacrifices. And so just outside of Bethlehem, it's possibly on this hillside that these sheep were designated for slaughter. It's maybe these sheep that would be brought in through the sheep gate into Jerusalem and they would be slaughtered at Passover time or or they would be slaughtered before the morning sacrifices would be done. And it's these sheep who were watched over, cared for. They watched them give birth. They meticulously raised them and fed them and cared for them because these would be the sacrificial lambs that would be used to, they believe, take away the sins of the Israelites. These shepherds would be the first to witness the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus Christ himself, the one and only who could be our Lamb, could be our sacrifice once and for all, for all time. It's no longer about those sheep on the hillside. Now it's all going to go to Jesus Christ who's going to give his life for us. And because he would die for us, we would have forgiveness of sins. And so it's no wonder I think he chose maybe these shepherds who raised the temple flocks to appear to. Shepherds in both the Old Testament and New Testament were symbolic of those who would care for God's people. 
And he writes a lot in the Old Testament about the shepherds watching over the people of Israel. And, and the word pastor literally means shepherds. And so these are the ones who will guard the people of God, including the Lord himself. And when you know the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to green pastures. He restores my soul. He anoints my head with oil. All those things are this picture of a shepherd who cares over his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ would do. And we get to John 10 where he says, I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for my sheep. And so not only does he fulfill the imagery of the lamb that would be slaughtered, but he also fulfills the imagery of the shepherd who would guard over his sheep and keep his sheep and lead us and guide us every step of the way. And so I believe it's no wonder Jesus Christ brought the very first news of the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. He makes that supreme ultimate announcement. Now, you guys that are parents and grandparents, you know what it's like to send out the birth announcements. And so what do you do? You send a card and you send a picture of that wrinkled red baby that you think is the best looking baby ever to be born. And you send it to every family member and every relative. And now you don't have to do that anymore. You can just take a picture right there on your iPhone and you can punch a bunch of names in it and say, look what just came out of my wife or my daughter or whatever. And look how, look how beautiful this little baby is. Right? And you send it everywhere and you, and you Facebook it and Snapchat it and everything else that can be done today. You want everybody to know about the birth of, of your little baby. And then if you're in a hospital room, what do they do? They put balloons sometimes or ribbons on the door. And if it's a blue balloon, balloon, you know it was a little boy. And if it's a pink balloon, you know it's a little girl. And you get home and on the mailbox, there's balloons hanging everywhere. And it tells you the boy, whether it's a male or female, and you know that family just had a little baby. And so everyone can see and know about this brand new baby. But listen, I want to tell you, nothing out there compares to this birth announcement. It is absolutely phenomenal. The sky lights up. Can you believe that? There's an angelic host praising God. The glory of God comes down on night. The glory of God comes on that hillside. What an incredible birth announcement. It, it outdoes anything that we could ever think of. And there's an angelic host and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And that initial response of these shepherds on the hillside is fear. Now, if the sky lights up and you're minding your own business and you're looking for predators and it's dark out there and you think you're all by yourself and all of a sudden the sky lights up, uh, you'd, be, you'd be afraid. They're terrified. They are filled with fear. There's something awesome about the glory of God. There's something incredible about his glory. And the first response is fear, and, and the glory of God overwhelms, and it leaves us undone and tongue-tied and terrified, and, and you can be frightened when you see that glory of Almighty God. But in verse number 10, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You don't need to fear. One thing about God is our God is approachable. And that's the message, don't be afraid. You can go to God, you can worship God, you can know God, you can serve God. He is a God of love and he is a God of grace. You do not have to be afraid. Yes, we reverence God, 
But we're not afraid in that fearful kind of way. Most religions fear is the primary emotion in approaching their God. I want you to follow me here. The Hindus, for example, they take off their shoes when they approach their temples. I I had the privilege many years of going over to India, and I've been there a couple of times and traveled around that nation, and uh, I went to Calcutta. And, of course, they have the Kali Temple right in the middle of Calcutta. And, you, and so we wanted to, went by and went to see it. And uh, it, it is, uh, there's the holy men there, and they're all white, and they're chanting, and they're making all kinds of weird sounds with their tongue. And they sit in one position, and they do not move all day long. And you go into the temple, and before you can even walk in, you've got to take the shoes off. And then you walk up, and you see the sacrifices being getting ready to be slaughtered. And they have a, a, a god called Kali, who is what Calcutta is named after, and it's the Hindu god of destruction. And I want to tell you, when I was around that place and on those grounds, you could feel the demonic presence. And there's such gross darkness in Hinduism with their millions of gods. And their their approach to their Hindu gods is one of fear. The Muslim people, five times a day they've got to bow down. And they bow so low on their knees every single day that their foreheads touch the ground as they approach their God. And we, the approach is one of fear. We come before God with fear. Even in the Jewish religion on Mount Sinai, they trembled at the very awesome presence of God. And God gave them very strict instructions. Anyone who touches this mountain will be struck dead. God's glory comes down and he gives the Ten Commandments. And they carry the Ark of the Covenant and they're doing it the wrong way. They're not supposed to carry it on their shoulders, but they got it on a cart and they're trying to get the Ark back into Jerusalem under the reign of King David. And that Ark begins to teeter back and forth. And one man puts his hands on the Ark. His name is Uzzah and he's immediately struck dead right there on the spot. And so this idea of there is a fear of God and and if a priest entered the holy of holies and he didn't first offer a sacrifice for his own sins on the day of atonement they would drag they had bells around the bottom of his robe because he could be struck dead on the spot and they would have to pull him out lest they also die trying to retrieve his body fear fear is that approach to God now listen to me now God shows up in a manger What can be less scary than a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths? He's trying to tell us God is approachable. Everything about the incarnation, everything about the miracle of his birth, everything about God becoming man, becoming one of us, tells me I have a God I can approach, I can come to, I can worship, I can love, I can know. He became one of us so he could speak our language and we could hear him and understand and and know God in that intimate way. Everything about God says, fear not, fear not. It's good tidings of great joy. Unto you a Savior's been born. Uh, The answer has come. Uh, There's nothing scary about a little tiny baby boy in a manger. Wow. God found a way to reach man that did not involve fear. Writes in the New Testament, there is now what is called a new and living way to approach God. And now because Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary, listen to me, he says in Hebrews, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come 
with confidence because his throne is a throne of grace, not judgment. And if you'll come before him today and just say, God, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. I come to you. We bring our problems and our cares and our hurts and our pains. He invites us to come today. God's throne is a throne of grace. We serve an approachable God who loves us. And that's what the story of Christmas is all about. God became a man so he could speak a language we could understand. Joy to the world. The Savior's come. Joy to the world. The Savior's come. Why why is it filled with so much joy? I want to tell you, when every sin is gone out of your life, you've got joy. You don't have guilt. You don't have condemnation, not shame. Uh, You've got you got freedom and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. The guilt is gone. Jesus Christ took our penalty on himself on the cross. We have joy because I can be united with my heavenly father. And now I am adopted into his family. And now his spirit bears with us my spirit that I am a child of God. And now I can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. I want to tell you, there's incredible joy today. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. It's come. And that joy of salvation is not just a temporary happiness. It's not a happiness that's based on circumstances of the moment or what's going on around me or, or a temporary pleasure that the Bible says is found in sin for a season. But it's in a deep joy of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and nothing can ever take that away. And so the announcement comes, joy to the world. We sang it to open the service today. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And the shepherds, the least likely people, are the very first to hear this glorious announcement. Jesus Christ has been born. Look at their immediate response. Pick up the text in verse number 15. It says, And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When the angels leave, how do they respond? Well, they they didn't argue with each other. There was no quibbling about what to do next or where to go or what course of action they're going to take. The Bible says their decision was immediate. Let's go down to Bethlehem. Let's see what the angels are talking about. They wanted to be part of the the work, what God was doing in the world, the work of God in our world, and they wanted to be a part of that and a part of what was happening. And They saw God's work in the face of a baby lying in a manger. Look at the language there. Let's go, they said. And, and it goes on in the next verses. And they hurried off. They hurried off. There was no hesitation. There was no waiting. There was no delay. They just said, let's go. Let's get out of here. And they hurried off. It's interesting. I never thought about this till I was preparing this message. But do you realize they just left their sheep? They just took off. You ever wonder what happened to the sheep? On the hillside, what, what kind of shepherd leaves his sheep behind? But they left their sheep in the care of God. God will take care of the sheep. They're there now. They'll be there when I get back. Listen, I want to challenge you with something, church. Listen to me. There are times that we've got to lay aside our jobs and our stuff, even our family and everything else around us, just to get alone with God. 
just to worship God, just to praise God. And we get away from the busyness and the cares and everything else in this world. And we trust that, you know what, if I zero in on God and I just want a purpose to worship the Lord and spend time alone with him, God will take care of everything else. God's able. Seek ye first the kingdom and I'll cover everything else in your life. Don't worry about it. Don't care about it. I'll, I'll take care of it. And they just leave their sheep and they hurry and go. Listen, don't wait for special occasions to talk about God. Let it be out of the exuberance of your relationship with him to everybody you encounter. And, and let it just flowly, free flowly. No, flow freely. There you go. I can say that. Watch for the open doors. Don't hesitate. Hurry to do God's will. Hurry to do God's work. Hurry to obey the Lord. Hurry to trust in God. Hurry to worship the Lord as your Savior. Hurry. And these these wise men, these shepherds, after they get down to the manger, everything begins to change about their dynamics. And so let's pick it up with verse number 17. Immediately they become messengers who will take the message and go out and tell somebody else. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Verse 10, the Bible said, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. I want to tell you right away there's a hint that when we receive the message of God, it's not just for us. And it's not just for us when we come comfortably in our church every Sunday morning. It is not just for the people of God, but he said this good news should be for all people. Now the very statement this should be for all people implies that we have a responsibility to get the news out to all people. Right? We can't ever be content to say, well, I'm saved, my family's saved, my, my buddies are saved, and we're going to heaven, man, and we focus. No, it should be for all people. How many know somebody that does not know Jesus Christ? Let me see your hand. This gospel and good news is for them. And we've got to become messengers. Once I receive that good news, I have a responsibility to tell everybody I come into contact with, Unto you a Savior has been born. Jesus Christ has come. He's given his life for you. He is our Savior. He will save you from your sins. He will get you out of your junk and out of your mess. And we've got that message to tell. And these shepherds become instant messengers. Notice the phrase. They says good news. There's a phrase that's used a couple of times on earth. Uh, good news. And uh, it says take the good news. Pass the good news. Share the good news. The good news is where we get our word evangel from, or evangelical. It's all about good news, related to the good news. But it's a word that was used on several different occasions in history. It wasn't new in the Bible. It was actually used many times before the word of God was written. And it was used in three different ways. Listen to this. When they proclaimed a king was going to be the new king of the land, they would go out and spread what is known as the evangel or the good news. They would tell everybody the king has come. That's one way it was used. Or when an army came back from battle and they had won a great victory, the city would sound out the good news. We've won, we've triumphed, we've won the victory. 
or when a royal heir to the throne was being born, uh, so you had a king uh, at the birth of any of his children or sons, uh, they would declare that was the good news that had to be shared. Listen, I want to tell you, I see every single one of those things in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There's good news, great tidings of great joy. Why? Because a king has been born that day in Bethlehem. Why? Because because he's been born, it guarantees I'm going to win a victory, and he's going to give his life for me, and I triumph through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Why? Because he is also a royal heir to the throne and now is seated at the right hand uh, of the Father on high. There is great news. And so when we use that term evangel or good news, it's a very biblical term that would have been used in history that tells us who Jesus Christ is. It shall be for all people. It implies that we have responsibility to tell. Seeing the baby Jesus was not enough for the shepherds. They had to tell the story. They had to tell somebody else. (coughs) Everyone they met heard about that angelic vision that they had in the heavens, that angelic visitation. Everybody they met heard that song of praise where they cried out, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. Everyone heard about their trip to the manger and what they found when they got there. They found Mary and Joseph and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Bible says they shared what they had told them about the child. They had found in a manger a Savior. They had found in the manger the Messiah. They had found in the manger God himself. And that news was too good to keep on the inside. The Bible says they went noising their broad. Everybody they saw, they told the good news that they had found Jesus Christ. One word describes their audience. The Bible says, and they were amazed when they heard these things. And people were amazed and, about hearing that good news. Shepherds became Jesus Christ's very first evangelists. And they became evangelists of the good news that we have today. Our experience of discovering Jesus Christ is too good to keep on the inside. It's too good to keep to ourselves. We need a noise abroad just like they did what we have seen and what we have heard. He didn't call the disciples, excuse me, the shepherds to teach or preach the gospel. They had neither training nor skills to be eloquent speakers. Instead, the Lord says, just tell what you've seen and what you've heard. You know, there's a lot of people who don't witness today, don't testify about the Lord today because they don't think, I don't have, know all the scriptures. I don't understand all the Bible. I haven't been to Bible school. I haven't been trained on how to do this. And so we keep it to ourselves and we're afraid, what if I say something wrong? What if, I, what if I don't communicate properly? What if I mess it all up? What if I blow it? And so often that keeps us shutting down. And he tells the shepherds, just simply go out what you have seen and what you've heard. Listen, if Jesus Christ is coming to your heart and life, you've got a testimony. I once was a lousy sinner. I was lost. I was miserable. I was going through the motions. I had no hope for my future, but then I found the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he took all my sins away, and now I'm on my way to heaven. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you've got a story to tell. You don't have to be a theologian to witness for him. He used shepherds as evangelists. He used uncultured, uncouth, untrained, uneducated people to be the very first evangelists of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
That tells me he can use any single one of us. You've got a story to tell. Tell it. Tell it. Go shout it on the mountains. Jesus Christ is born. He's come. We have a testimony before the Lord today. The shepherds came. They saw what God told them to expect. They proclaimed their findings to everybody who would listen to them. And everywhere they went, they began to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they turned back towards their sheep and they went back up there and they I'm, I'm sure they were all just standing around there eating. Wait, where are the shepherds at? Okay, they'll get there back here eventually. They had a new song of praise in their heart. The Bible says they left praising the Lord and magnifying God. And so they go back and head back to where the sheep are. And you realize that you never hear from these shepherds again. There's no names given of who they were. You never hear about these guys again who went down to that manger at that very first Christmas, but they will never, ever be forgotten. So I want to tell you, stop everything, sing with the angels, shout with the shepherds. Behold, unto us today a Savior has been born. Jesus Christ has come, uh, and therefore we can declare joy to the world. The Lord has come. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Everybody's standing We've got a job to do, church. We've got a job to do. This good news is too good to keep on the inside. We've got to tell everybody Jesus Christ has been born. Well, Savior has come, and he can save from your sins. Now, listen, let me just say this very quickly. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, he can save you this morning. He can save you today. You just simply say, God, be merciful to be a sinner. God, come into my heart, come into my life, take my sins away, live inside of me. I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again for me. And when you pray a simple prayer like that, the Lord comes in and he gives you a a brand new life in Jesus Christ. He gives you a hope for your future. Jesus Christ is the answer. You can give your life to him right now, wherever you're standing. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.